I want to read first from <coughs> the autobiography of a lady called Madame Guillon. Madame Guillon. She was a lady, um, I believe in the 1600s, but I'm willing to be corrected there, who was a Roman Catholic lady. I'm not gonna, I'll say a little bit about it before I read. She was a Roman Catholic lady brought up in the Catholic faith. She was very, very well-to-do. She came from aristocracy, French aristocracy, and her family was very close to the king at the time. In fact, the Queen of England at the time asked for Jean-Marie to, if she could take her to England, adopt her. Anyway, she wanted to go to a convent. She went to a convent school. She wanted to become a nun. She didn't. But she wanted to know, who's this Jesus? Who is he? Jesus, everyone keeps talking about Jesus. In the end, she discovered him for herself with the help of some men who also knew him because she couldn't find him in the Roman Catholic faith though she sought for him diligently in prayers and, and fastings and many other things and eventually she discovered her Lord and she started writing about you don't have to go to the mass you don't have to go to a priest and she, start, she said, you can come to God directly yourself and you can discover him and you can know him and you can love him and you can know his love for you. And she started writing. And the bishop got hold of this and others and they read it and they said, this woman is a heretic. The only way you can come to God is through a priest. And she was imprisoned. She told, don't you write any more about what you believe. But she kept writing. And she's put in the Bastille for many years. And she wrote many poems, some of it are which, which are in here. Abridged versions. And eventually, she, I think she went in the Bastille twice. One for a very long period of time. Four years, I think it was. She was in the Bastille. And then she went to other prisons as well. But this is from her biography. This is a woman who discovered the Lord Jesus Christ because of her heart. And the Lord said, If you seek for me with all your heart, I will be found by you. So let me read. Um... Let me assure you, she's talking about sanctification in the first verse, she says about sanctification, that means to be separated to God in your heart and in your life, in all things. Let me assure you, this is not attained save through pain. And she would know about that. She even had her children taken from her. save through pain, weariness and labour. It will be reached by a path that will wonderfully disappoint your expectations. What a lovely phrase. It will be reached by a path that will wonderfully disappoint your expectations. Nevertheless, if you are fully convinced that it is on the nothing in man that God establishes his greatest works, you will be in part guarded against disappointment. Let me read that again because it's quite a bit to take in, isn't it? 
Nevertheless, if you are fully convinced that it is on the nothing in man that God establishes his greatest works, you will be in part guarded against disappointment or surprise. He destroys that he might build. For when he is about to rear his sacred temple in us, he first totally raises that vain and pompous edifice which human art and power had erected and from its horrible ruins a new structure is formed by his power only. And this is by a woman who knew the Lord Jesus Christ and she suffered for loving him. In fact, the name of her autobiography published many years ago by an American publishers in the paperback on the front of the cover of her autobiography says her sole crime was loving God. Wouldn't that be lovely said of you and me? Her sole crime was that of loving God. So I want to share something that links with that. Uh, first of all, I want to go into John's Gospel and then I'll come here in chapter 12, which I think you preempted already, which is good. Chapter 12. Now, there was a, a feast called the Passover in Jerusalem at this time, which, where this is set. And um, a bit of light for you. You see better now? So this was during the Passover in Jerusalem. And Jesus came into the city and they put palms and things down before him as he walked. I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, and we're going to go into verse 17, I think, to start. So I'm breaking in. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he was done, had done this miracle. The Pharisees, therefore, um, and said among themselves, Perceive you how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the whole world has gone after him. And there were certain Greeks among them. So these were among the people who come up to the feast, the Passover. And they would come out to see what was going on with Jesus coming in to the city. There were certain Greeks, and I like that word certain, I always take it out of context because I love what it says. They were certain. They knew what they wanted. And I know it doesn't mean that, but I like to play on words. And that one is a particular uh, one that I like to take advantage of. Among them that came up to worship at the feast, the same came, therefore, to Philip. Now that's one of his Jesus' disciples, as you know, which was of Bethsaida, of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Isn't that lovely? They wanted to see Jesus, just like Madame Guion, as a young girl, wanted to know Jesus. Sir, we would see Jesus. Then cometh Philip and tells Andrew, and Andrew again and Philip tell Jesus. 
So now they're coming to Jesus and saying to Jesus, there's some non-Jews here, some Gentiles. They're not Jews. They've come up to the feast and they want to see you. And this is Jesus' response and it's his response to you. I want you to make, make that ever so clear. This is his response to you. Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, or amen, amen, what it literally is, truly, truly, I say to you, except a cord of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides or remains alone on its own but if and there's that little F word there's the key but if it die it bringeth forth much fruit he that loves his life shall lose it and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal if any man serve me let him follow me and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honour. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Save me from this hour, father? But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore that stood by and heard said that it thundered. Others said, an angel spoke to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is judgment, now sorry, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, shall draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Okay, we'll stop there. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to see him. But Jesus didn't go to them. He said, this is the only way that you can see me. Jesus came to the nation of Israel. Jesus didn't go and preach in Greece, where these people came from. So they'd come from Greece up to the feast, and they wanted to see Jesus. And this was a, a very specific point in the ministry of Jesus. Those from outside of the kingdom of Israel, as it was then, wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus, and there's much, much more in this than I'm going to say to you this, this afternoon, much, much more. And Jesus knew the only way that they could see him was if he, as a grain of wheat, was to fall into the ground and to die. And the ground there was Judea, the nation of Israel, as it was, in name anyway. And he knew his time would come, and he knew that this is it. I've got to fall into the ground and die so that I can bear fruit, so that all the nations of the world, and there's so much in this. Pick it up in, in, one, in Acts chapter 1, you shall be witnesses unto me in all Judea and Jerusalem, 
Samaria and uttermost parts of the world. You see the fruit, the fruit, the fruit going out. So the whole of the world now has heard the gospel. As a consequence of Jesus fall in into the ground and dying. Because Jesus was one man. Now, because of his death, he's brought forth fruit. Millions and millions and millions of people have been born of God. He was the only one at the time that was born of God. And they wanted to see Jesus and he wanted to see them. But the only way that they could know him was if he was to fall into the ground and to die. And he explains that if, if a man doesn't fall into the ground and die, he's going to remain on his own. And an uncrucified Christ is no good to anybody. He had to die. My time has come. I've come unto this hour. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. For this cause I came to this hour. That I might fall into the ground and die. And he's talking about his death. Because that's made ever so clear down the chapter. Verse 30. Three. This he said signifying what death he should die. This is all about Calvary. We sung about it earlier. Calvary. This is all about his death. It's all about his sacrifice on the cross. This is all about God wanting to reach the whole world. Because Jesus came to save the whole world. But he had to go to the cross. He had to fall into the ground because look at those words there except a corn of wheat it says corn of wheat and it sounds a bit crazy I know it today but a grain of wheat we would translate it fall into the ground and die it abides alone so if you go out and you've got a seed and you leave it on the side on your mantelpiece Trisha's got two conkers in there I don't know why on the man mantelpiece I want to put them in the bin every time I see them. But uh, she likes that sort of thing. But anyway, so you've got a little corner wheat there on the mantelpiece or in your pocket or in your bedroom drawer. And you go and look at it every day. Say, yeah. wouldn't it be nice to have, wouldn't it be nice to see that growing and, and have, a, have a billion, trillion, billion, trillion grains of wheat? Wouldn't it be nice? You know, and that's your life. That's Jesus' life. If he hadn't fallen into the ground and die, there'd be no fruit. But he goes on to say, but if, and this is the great key. I've said before this word, if, is a key. But if it die, and this is the great thing, if it die. See, he says, signifying what death he would die. This is about dying. This is about not yourself. It's about others. If it die, it brings forth much fruit. And that should remind you, if you know John's Gospel, that Jesus mentions, you don't, I'm going to quickly read from it in chapter 15. You don't need to turn to it, but he says that this is my Father is glorified that you bring forth much fruit. This is how my Father is glorified that you bring forth. I've ch you didn't choose me, I chose you and sent you forth to bring forth fruit. So there can be no fruit from my life or your life, the same as in Jesus' life. And let me just explain. When someone is born again of the Spirit of God and the life of God comes into them, there will be a desire to bring forth fruit. Right at the beginning of creation, God spoke to creation, the thing that he'd made, and he said to the animals, 
to the birds and the fish. Go and bring forth fruit and replenish the earth. He said to Adam and Eve, bring forth fruit. It's always the, in God's heart to bring forth fruit. Multiplication. And God wants to, you might think, what a crazy thing to say, but I'm going to say it. God wants to multiply himself in your life and through your life so that others can hear the gospel, so that can, others can see this person's got something I want. Just like that dear girl, Jean Marie Guillon, I want to see, I want Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I'm not interested in anything else. I've got all this money, I've got a great big chateau like you'd never seen. Massive with all golden doors and trims on the doors and everything you can think of. But I want Jesus. Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? I want to see Jesus. Well, you can. When Jesus goes to the cross and bears fruit, and he is ever so specific, and he says in verse 25, I think it is, he that loves his life shall lose it. Jesus didn't love his life. He'd not come for that. And he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. He's showing a principle. This is the if it die. If it, he's explaining if it dies. This is how you bring forth fruit. If you die. If you die. If you hate your life instead of trying to hold on to it for yourself. Give it to God. And that's the only way he'll keep it. And to life eternal, eternal life. And then it says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. So where did Jesus go? Where did Jesus go? He went to Calvary. Can you see? That's so what it's all about. It's always about the cross. Always. Because that's the only place we sung it this morning. Calvary. 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 Follow me and where I am, there shall my servant be. So if you're following Jesus, you're going to be where he is, aren't you? So if he's gone to Calvary, see all his disciples forsook him. <laughs> Apart from John, he's not mentioned, but he doesn't because he, he was at the cross. He might have forsook him when all the, uh, they came to arrest Jesus. But he was at the cross when Jesus, Jesus died because Jesus spoke to him directly. Son, take, take Mary into your home. Mary, his earthly mother into your home. So he was there and the man that's writing this account, John. That's where we'll be. We'll be where Jesus is if we're following him. And if any man serve me, him will my father honour. But nevertheless his soul was troubled. His soul, he knew what he had to go through. He knew he had to take that cup and drink the punishment of the whole world and take it on himself. Not just your, your sin and my sin, but the wrath of God. Punishment for sin. Because he was the only one that could be sacrificed. Because he had no sin. And of course we read all these things in the New Testament. He had no sin. He died. He that had no sin, he died for us. 
that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So much I could say. Don't forget that clock is allowing me 20 minutes because we didn't come in here. <laughs> the time we normally do is so much and I would, you know, now is my soul troubled. What shall I say? You know, am I going to keep my life? Am I going to save my life? Shall I? No. No. I could call to my father, and Jesus said it on more than one occasion. I could just command the angels to come down and rescue me. Legions and legions of angels. He says, when he was arrested, he said to Peter, put up your sword. I could call on angels, ask him saving his life. I could not go to Calvary and identify myself with Jesus Christ and save my life. Well, you will die forever if you do that. But if we identify with Jesus Christ, and I'm putting it in, in terms that we can understand, and we discover what Calvary is all about, and you come to Calvary and you say, I'm going to lose my life. I'm going to give my life to you, Lord Jesus. Because you died for me. You took the wrath of God that was due to me. You took it on yourself. And I, I want to serve you. Because I love you for what you've done. And if you serve me, he says, my Father will honour you. What a wonderful thing. Instead of serving yourself, trying to keep your life if you follow Jesus go to Calvary yeah, we, he went to Calvary for us but we've got to go there too because he said unless you fall into the ground and die you can't have eternal life and his father will honour those he didn't want to run away from the cross. You know, it's very easy to come to a place and God makes demands on our life. And he says, I want this to end in your life. I want, you to, I want to change you. I want to make you like my son, Jesus Christ. I want to do works in your heart and in your life. They're going to transform you. And we can say, oh, that's a... That's a tall order, Lord. I don't think I can do that. You mean I've got to give this up? I've got to allow you to come and work in me and to do things in my heart which are going to... I don't want to give this up. I, I, I want to save my life. Well, there you go. You lose it if you do. You've got to come to a place where Jesus says you've got to hate your life because... A life that's not like Christ is a hateful life in itself. It's so contrary to the life that God intends you and I to have. That's why he wants to make us like Jesus and that's what Madame Guyon wanted, to know Jesus. Sir, we would see Jesus. So there's so much I would like, to, and he talks about the prince of this world being judged and cast out, that's the devil. So that he could be judged and cast out of us. But anyway, so much to say, and I don't, won't take any more time on that, but I want to come into Philippians and to look how this worked out in the life of a well-known apostle. Jesus Christ in Philippians in chapter 3 now he was a man that in the eyes of the Jewish religion because that's where he came from he was chosen deliberately by God from out of that nation and out of that religion out of that culture he was the epitome of a religious Pharisee, a Jewish religious person. 
you couldn't get any more religious than the Apostle Paul. And if you know anything by reading the books of Acts, that he stood by while the first Christian was stoned to death by his fellow Pharisees and high priests of the, Je of the Jewish religion. Stephen, they stoned him to death because he loved Jesus Christ. As many other people throughout the world have been killed and will continue to be killed because they love the Lord Jesus Christ and are being killed as I speak to you at this very moment, I can assure you. So this man, Paul, he, he stood by. In fact, he, he looked after the clothes of Stephen while his men stoned him, Stephen, to death. And he was then getting letters from the high priests to go and find Christians wherever they are and to bind them with chains and to put them in prison and no doubt kill some of them. Many were killed by the Jewish leaders. You can read that in the book of Acts. Many of them were killed. James was killed. It pleased the Jews to kill him, it says in the book of Acts. So this man hated uh, the fact that, in his mind at least, these Christians didn't serve his religion. And he was on his way, and you can read this in the Acts of the Apostles, he was on his way to Damascus. And Jesus appeared, had papers from the high priest to take, find anyone in Damascus who were following Jesus to put them in chains and take them back to Jerusalem and put them into prison. And as he was on the road to Damascus, and you can read this in the book of Acts, there suddenly a light shone from heaven, bright as the sun in its strength. And a voice came saying, Saul, Saul, because that was his name then, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you were persecuting. You see, he's persecuting Jesus, the people who were Christ, his body, the ones that had been the fruit of Christ's death. He fell into the ground and died, and now there was this fruit. In fact, I've shared on it before, the day of Pentecost was a day, was a day of harvest. And thousands and thousands and thousands of people were born again. Again, you can read about it in the book of Acts. So anyway, there's this man, the epitome of the Jewish religion. And he says in, ver in verse 1 of chapter 3 of Philippians, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, Beware of the concession. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man think that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, of the Hebrews, as touching the law, 
a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Or haven't been found blameless. So no one could accuse him, that's what that means. But what things were gain to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ, or gain Christ, more accurate, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I might know him. See, that she wanted, Madame Guillon wanted to know Jesus. We would see Jesus. You see where I'm coming from? Paul. Paul wants to know him. And this is a grain of wheat corn of wheat that is falling that had fallen into the ground and died this man Paul formerly called Saul he changed his name he didn't want to be identified with the Saul of the Old Testament which he was previously who was a man was a king in Israel and did some things which were wicked and God got rid of him but anyway Moving on, that I may gain Christ, that I might know him, in verse 30, I think it is. I've got a job seeing this. Is it 10, isn't it? Verse 10. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I won't read any more of that just now. So Paul gave up everything. He lost everything. Everything. He said, I've suffered the loss of all things. Why? His only reason was that he might know Christ. Just like that lady wanted to know Jesus. You see, you've got to die to yourself. You've got to die to your own efforts. You've got to die to everything. And you've got to lose your life. This man's lost his life. He had a life. He was probably the greatest Pharisee that ever lived. He had everything. See, he, he had everything which would make him the, the man that under the old covenant he desired to be. He kept the commandments. He was born of the tribe, Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews circumcised the eighth day according to the law, you know, and all these things. He couldn't have been much more of a Jew than what he was. And he talks about, to, in the beginning there, he says, you be careful now of the Jews. That's what he means, the circumcision. You beware. That's what it means. It means to mutilate yourself concision you know the word incision means to cut well concision means to mutilate yourself and he says don't you be like them mutilating yourself because we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no 
confidence in the flesh. And that's when he goes on to say, look, the confidence I had. Look at all the confidence I had. I had so much confidence that I was even persecuting the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how confident I was that I was right. I was so confident that I was correct because I kept the law and I did everything according to the law. Look at, the, look at my, how I was born. Look at my background. Look at me. I've been trained in all these Jewish religious things. He goes on to say, as touching the law, I was regarded as being perfect. What a man. See, he wanted to please God, didn't he? But he didn't know how to. And he went about it the wrong way. And that's why Jesus says to Nicodemus, when Nicodemus came to him at night, you must be born again. That's the only way to get into the kingdom. Jesus said that. You can't even come in. You can't even see it unless you're born again. You're blind and you will. And he was blind. This man was blind. Blind, blind. He'd been blinded by his own righteousness. He'd been blinded by his own efforts. He'd been blinded in thinking he could come to God and obtain salvation through works. His own works. The things he did. He was trying to make himself acceptable to God by doing this and that. And when you say, well, that's what the Old Testament said he should. Yes, it did. But God is not speaking to us by the Old Testament. He's speaking to us in his son today. We're reading Hebrews chapter 1. God spoke in the past by the prophets but, and, and to the fathers. But in these last days he's spoken to us in his son, we read. And this voice came down. It was a voice, wasn't it? The voice came. We read it. This voice. They said, I will, I've already glorified it and I will glorify it again. See, it's Jesus. We would see Jesus. Paul wanted to know Christ. And that's why I said I count all things in verse 8. Loss. We've got to lose everything. So you've got to lose your life. He that loses his life shall save it. He that tries to save his life shall lose it. I've suffered the loss of all things. My reputation's gone. Those who, maybe his family and friends, because he's now following Jesus. You go to Iran, to China, these various places, not just Muslim countries, communist countries as well. Go to North Korea. They lose everything. As followers of Jesus, they have their houses taken off them. They have their children taken off them. Like Madame Guillon did. And they're put in prison because they love Jesus. You think, why would someone do that? Well, it's because of the world and the God of this world. Those who want to save their lives, you're a threat to them. You're a threat to Satan, did you know that? If you're following Jesus and he hates you. And those in whom he works, the prince of the power of air, of the air, now works in the children of disobedience, the Apostle Paul says. Did you know that now in America, let me tell you this, might surprise you, there's a campaign to ban people from referring to Jesus Christ as King because there's a certain group of people 
who claim to be God's people and are not, now saying you can't do that. And this is happening now in America. You know that they banned lots of things to do. I'm not an advocate of Christmas by any stretch of the imagination, but lots of things concerning Christmas have been banned in America. You call it holiday, you don't call it Christmas. It's a, this is what's been going on for decades. That's why the Bible was removed from schools in America. Banned. But they're all right to have books on uh, a, a boy being a boyfriend with someone else and a girl being a girlfriend with someone else in a sexual manner. They're, they're children's books now today and you go into a, a library in a school, it's all full of these same-sex relationships. I'm telling you, it's in Great Britain. But you can't have a Bible in your school. I wonder why. I wonder who's in charge. Who's making the rules? Hmm? Certainly know what God they worship, don't you? When they start doing things like that. So if you go into a certain hotel, which I'd never go into, I'm not going to name names, but there's a certain chain of hotels that belongs to a group of people called the Mormons. Okay? And if you go into their rooms in a hotel, you'll have the Book of Mormon, not the Bible, because they want to promote this false religion. I'm going right off what I say, as I always do. They hate Jesus, see? She loved Jesus. She came to love Jesus. Paul came to love Jesus and to know him. And that's why Jesus went to the cross, that you and I might know him, to bear much fruit. And this was Paul's desire for all these things that I knew, all this reputation I had. I've let it all go. I've lost it. I don't want it. It means nothing. It's, it's like that which is thrown to the dogs. That's the word here, offal. Translated dung. It's not dung. It means that which is cast to the dogs. So if you're in, in the butcher's shop or you're working in your kitchen and you're cutting up some meat and you think, well, we're not going to eat that, that's, that's pretty awful, that, isn't it? <laughs> so that's the bits and pieces from inside the animal. And they threw it down, and that's what the dogs ate. Threw it onto the floor outside the house, where the dogs were, and that's what it means. It's something that you're not uh, not going to eat. It's it's waste. And he said, I, I, "Everything that I had, I counted as that, something to be thrown for, to the dogs." That's what God requires of you and me. He's willing to lose his life and lose everything that he might know Christ and be found in him that I might win him. I counted it all loss. Suffered the loss of all things and to count them but done that I may gain him and be found in him not having my own righteousness. And this is the key, he had his own righteousness. I want the righteousness that comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ that I might know him and the power and there's so much we can say here the power of his resurrection that life, inward life I talked about last week and the fellowship of his sufferings. Madame Guillaume knew the fellowship of his sufferings. She suffered, but she suffered for Jesus. She only suffered for Jesus, not because of anything else. She suffered because of Jesus. The fellowship with his sufferings. 
And I say, if you're in Iran or one of these other countries, or especially in North Korea, you'll know what it is to suffer with Jesus Christ, to enter into his sufferings. Hallelujah. And this is it. This is where it's at. It goes on to say that, that I might be made conformable to his death. You know you've got to be conformed to his death. That's what Paul wanted. I want to be conformable to the death of Christ. That I, and that I might by any means attain to the resurrection of the dead. And I can't spend any more time on that. I think our time is gone. So that's what it's going to cost all of us to know Jesus Christ, the forsaking of everything. You know, when a person gets married, I don't know what the line is, but it's something like this, forsaking all others. Isn't that right? Forsaking all others. What's the rest of that? Do you know? You don't know. You don't remember. Forsaking all others. Jesus only. Amen. Hallelujah. Forsook, forsook all things that I might know him. I've lost it all.